0: Hello, Bleeding
1: Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Coming up, lots to get to on this episode of the podcast. The Eagles have re-signed your favorite free agent defensive end, Derek Barnett. Coming back to the nest. We'll talk about that deal here in the next few minutes. And what needs are left for the Eagles in free agency. Then we'll go around the NFL. We'll take a look at some of the moves that were made this week. The AFC is absolutely insane. Thank goodness the Eagles don't play in that particular conference, some new USFL rules that I think the NFL should adopt. We'll talk about that. Mike McCarthy gets a little more help. We'll talk about some of the remaining needs among NFC East teams, and then we'll take a look at where things stack up in the NFC right now in the pecking order by taking a look at you know some of where the uh, the latest odds have uh, the Eagles ranked among teams in the NFC. All of that coming up on a very busy edition of Eye on the Enemy. But let's start off with the Derek Barnett news now. Listen, if Derek Barnett was the big free agent signing this offseason at Edge, I think we would all be having a conniption. Remember, as we all get upset about Derek Barnett re-signing, and I know all of us wanted to move on from Derek Barnett, a disappointing former first-round pick, the former number 17 overall pick in the draft, we were all ready to move on with our lives, and we were all ready for Derek Barnett to move on with his life. Apparently, no one else in the NFL really wanted Derek Barnett. And so, the former first-round pick is coming back to Philadelphia, but don't get terribly upset. Remember that the Eagles, their lone big splash this offseason was to upgrade at the edge, whether it's Hassan Redick is going to be uh, playing linebacker or playing edge rusher most of the time. It's likely going to be some kind of hybrid position, but nevertheless, the Eagles did go out, and they did go and get their edge rusher, in free agency. They're only big splash so far this offseason, And that was a fantastic move. That's absolutely going to make their edge rotation a whole lot better with, with Derek Barnett, Derek Barnett here uh, with Brandon Graham coming back. You hope that Brandon Graham is what we thought he was going to be at the start of this year. Now that he's coming back from injury. So uh, you work Josh sweat into the mix. And when you bring Derek Barnett back and you think about the fact that they have Reddick, they have Brandon Graham, they have Josh sweat, The fact that he's number four on the depth chart, that he's probably your number four guy in a rotation, I guess it's something you can stomach. And I saw this mentioned by someone on Twitter. It might have been Mike Kay. I can't remember who it was. But if you strip away the fact that Derek Barnett played for the Eagles these last few years, and let's just imagine that he came from another team, we would probably feel okay about a two-year deal. And we don't know the financial terms yet as we're recording the podcast here on Friday morning, but... If you took all of the bias that we have about Derek Barnett away, it's probably okay. Now, if they signed him for larger money than any of us are expecting, then I'll rant and rave about this move a little bit more. But if it's for a little bit of money then I'm okay with it. And I guess the I guess a little bit of money would be let's see, he was gonna be a dead cap hit of about seven million dollars this year if the Eagles didn't bring him back as an unrestricted free agent. And look, of course we, we, we know the narrative around Derek Barnett. He's the penalties guy. He's always committing penalties. As Nick Sirianni himself said during a game when there was yet another personal foul call on Derek Barnett at an awful time. It's always him. We we know it. We we can't get past it and he Look, he, you could live with the penalties. You could live with the penalties if there was production to go with it. But he only had two and a half sacks in 17 games last year. It was really his first season where he played a full season without getting hurt, and he only produced two and a half sacks. So I'm really surprised that some other team didn't bring him back, Didn't didn't take him on in some degree. I am surprised he's back with the Eagles, but... Boy, four and a half sacks in his last 25 games. I know he's young. He's only going to turn 26 in June coming this summer, so... You know, there, there's there are I would have thought maybe there was another team out there that would look at his age and say, well, you know, maybe, you know, he's only 26. But listen, even coming out of college, I know he broke Reggie White's sack record at Tennessee, but coming out of college, the reason he was able to do so well was because he got to the quarterback by jumping snaps, by timing, not necessarily because he had good technique or he had a lot of moves that helped him win one-on-one battles against offensive tackles, which is what you need in the NFL. You can't do that in the NFL. The other the other guys are too big and too strong. You can't take advantage of guys like that in the pros like he did in college, and that's manifested itself at the NFL level. He's not good enough to get to the quarterback on a regular basis. I know there was a running gag between Kist and Solak for a number of years. The first time Derek Barnett gets a sack on a spin move, I think uh, Ben had to buy a jersey, right? I mean, it was... It's uh, he's not a productive player. He's not going to be a productive player. But now you don't really with with Reddick on board and Brandon Graham, hopefully back and Josh Sweat emerging. You hopefully you don't need him to be a dynamic guy. You need him a guy that can play, you know, 25, 30 percent of the snaps in a given game. I know this is not a popular move among Bleeding Green Nation. We have a poll that's now closed. 3,070 of you voted. 94% of you wanted Brandon Graham to go. 6% of you said for Brandon Graham to stay. I would lo- I'm fascinated by that 6%. I'm just fascinated. I would love to hear the argument for Derek Barnett coming back, being open and happy about that. Uh, and I don't think here that this is going to affect what the Eagles do in the draft. If there is an edge rusher when they pick in the first round, I still think the Eagles go for that guy. I don't think it necessarily precludes them from doing that. But at the same time, I think now you probably focus on defensive tackle. You did bring back Fletcher Cox, um, and you have uh, Milton Williams, who I think we're all pretty excited about. I'm pretty excited about. Uh, Javon Hargrave had a very good season last year. You bring him back, so you look pretty good at the defensive tackle position, even as Fletcher Cox is starting to descend. But this seems like an opportune time to maybe use one of those three first-round picks. And listen, the Eagles are probably not going to use all three of those first-round picks. They are more than likely going to trade one of those guys either to move up in the first round and couple it like 15 and 16 and and couple them to move up in the first round or you use one of those picks and get a first round pick next year to give another bite at the quarterback apple so they're not going to use all three of their first round picks this year that's almost a certainty but one of those is probably going to go towards a defensive player on the defensive line and it's likely going to be I think more likely a defensive tackle than an edge guy, but uh, certainly they might go with an edge guy in round two. I mean, there's, they're not, they're not going to avoid picking an edge rusher because they brought Derek Barnett back, but none of us are happy about this. Uh, Barnett is 67th in the NFL in sacks since he entered the league in 2017. He has never had more than six and a half sacks in a single season. Um, and again, a two sack season last year. So, um, This is not a needle mover for the Eagles, but uh, he will be back in the green and what the hell other color are the Eagles? White, (laughs) green and white and black next year. So what needs are left for the Eagles here this offseason that they can go out and get in free agency or in trades? Uh, We we talk a lot about wide receiver. And I wrote this week for Bleeding Green Nation about their failure to land a difference-making target, whether it's via trade or a free agent this offseason. Uh, they weren't able to go out and get um, Devontae, uh, Devontae Adams from the Packers, and it was pretty clear that Devontae Adams was either going to stay in Green Bay, but he decided to go play for the team he's always wanted to play for, the Las Vegas Raiders, and so he's in, LA, he's in Las Vegas now. Um, the Dallas Cowboys were never going to trade Amari Cooper within, within the division. And I think that's one of the reasons why they accepted what they accepted for Amari Cooper, because they didn't want the Eagles to sign him as a free agent. They didn't want to release him and then have the Eagles or the Washington commanders pick him up. And so they traded him away, got him out of the conference and um, the Eagles missed out on Amari Cooper. And then of course the Eagles probably would have traded for Calvin Ridley, which would have been an awesome trade. It would have been a perfect fit for this football team. But of course, um, that was before they realized and during the course of the trade negotiations, uh, the Atlanta Falcons let the Eagles know that a year-long suspension was coming down for Calvin Ridley for the 2022 season. So it just really disheartening the fact that they they recognized that they needed an upgrade to pair with, uh, you know, they need an upgrade from Jalen Rager and someone legitimate to go along with Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins. Quez Watkins is more suited to be your number three receiver. He's not really designed to be a true number two receiver. And there are some guys out there still. The Eagles did bring in Zach Pascal from the Indianapolis Colts. He's probably more of a number four receiver than a true number three slot receiver. I think if you go into the season with Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, and Zach Pascal as your top three, and they brought back Greg Ward if he's your number four Again, that's just not enough. It's not enough to be a viable passing offense in this league unless we see a mercurial jump from Jalen Hurts. But I I think... I think the narrative we're seeing around this 2022 Eagles team as it takes shape. And again, it's not a fully formed team just yet. Uh, There will be more releases by teams as the summer rolls along. Of course, once camp starts, players will get released. Um, There still could be trades made, especially as we get closer to the draft. The Eagles could still use one of those first round picks. I still love the idea of trying to convince the Seahawks to trade DK Metcalf for one of those first round picks and uh, maybe a, a second day pick as well. That would be a huge addition to this team. Uh, There are some other guys out there. Jarvis Landry is a high volume receiver who doesn't really stretch the field. He's a possession guy, uh, but he does catch a ton of balls. Was a pro bowler from 2015 to 2019 with Miami and Cleveland. He's still out there. Um, He would help this team. He just might not be the best fit in the world. He only caught 52 balls for 571 yards last year. He missed five games due to injury, but saw his catches per game drop to a career low 4.3. It hasn't been a career 5.6. Uh, Devontae Adams is—pardon uh, me—Devonte Parker is another guy who could fit for the Eagles. A uh, guy plays for the has uh, played for the Miami Dolphins for his entire career. Uh, I, I kind of like that fit for the Eagles. He's a big-bodied guy. The Eagles with, uh, with Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins. Don't really have a lot of big bodied receivers. Greg Ward is also not a big body guy. Zach Pascal, maybe a little bit more so, but Barry Jackson from the Miami Herald said that the Eagles are among several teams interested in Devonte Parker. Uh, now that um, uh, Tyreek Hill is in Miami, it looks like there's really not a whole lot of room for Devonte Parker right now. So, Again, he could be a guy that fits in Philadelphia. Uh, Parker signed a four-year $40 million extension before the pandemic 2020 season. So he's owed $5.6 million this year and then $5.7 million next year. So that's not a bad price tag for a guy who has been pretty productive. He hasn't been as productive since he signed that deal before the 2020 season. Uh, in 2020, he had 72. I mean, 2019, he had 72 catches for 1,202 yards and nine touchdowns. But uh, he has averaged 12 yards a catch over the last two years and has 103 total catches for 1,308 and six touchdowns over the last two years. He's heading into his eighth year. And this is a group that just needs some more more, ex- more experience, which he has, and more size. He's 6'3, 219 pounds. I think he could make some plays in this offense. It's certainly, I think, with Jalen Hurts, a guy who struggles with his accuracy, having a guy out there who has some size would help. I don't think Jalen Hurts is ever going to be a guy that's trying to thread the needle, but if you can get a guy in Devontae Parker who has a little bit more size and a little bit more experience, that could be a good fit with this offense. And again, I, even with Zach Pascal here and some of the other holes on at receiver, you could see the Eagles use one of their first-round picks to grab the best wide receiver available. And there are some speed guys out there that would fit for the Eagles. And we saw this with Justin Jefferson and the decision to go with Jalen Rager. They can't Focus too much on scheme fit here. You don't get the best player available when you're drafting in that spot and you're trying to focus on scheme fit. Just get the best guy and you'll figure out how to make it work. So there is still a need at wide receiver. I think if they go out and get Devontae Parker, I would feel a whole lot better. He's not a superstar. He's not a guy who's going to make the Pro Bowl next year, more than likely. I don't think any Eagles receiver is going to make the Pro Bowl because this is just that's the other thing about this 2022 Eagles team and this 2022 Eagles offense. It's Going to be very similar, unless we see again a big jump in Jalen Hurts's ability as a pa- ability as a passer. Unless he does some work this offseason that is truly eye opening and comes to training camp and is looking like a different quarterback throwing the football, this is going to still be a run heavy team. The wide receivers on this team are not going to see a ton of targets. They already underutilized Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins last year. You also have in Dallas Goddard a high-volume tight end who is very productive and was just signed to a contract extension. But you're not going to see a whole lot of difference on offense with the 2022 Eagles that you saw from 2021. If you'd gotten Calvin Ridley, I would not be saying the same thing. But Devontae Parker is not Calvin Ridley. He's like two-thirds of a Calvin Ridley, maybe half of a Calvin Ridley. At this point in his career, but he would be, he would be a good addition. It just kind of depends what the Eagles would need to give up. Could could you get him for a fourth round pick? Maybe would it even cost a fourth rounder? I don't know that I give up a day two pick for Devontae Parker. I would probably just stick with a day three pick, but I would be willing to give up a fourth rounder in that case. So uh, some options there for the Eagles at wide receiver. But again, this offense is not going to look a whole lot different in 2022 than it did in 2021. The defensive side of the ball still needs a lot of work right now at linebacker. Davion Taylor and TJ Edwards are your best options at off ball linebacker. Um, There are a couple of guys who are out there specifically chargers linebacker Kazir white is a pretty interesting looking player. This guy used to play safety who they moved to linebacker. Pretty athletic guy. Uh, Jayon Brown from uh, Giant Brown from Tennessee is a guy who is a, has a a look that could be what the Eagles look for, what uh, Jonathan Gannon is looking for on defense. But again, first-round pick, maybe you go after a linebacker with your first or second-round pick. But they they need to invest in that position this offseason. They, they just got to stop kicking the can down the road with linebackers and, and go out and get... A linebacker who can actually make a difference. At safety, the Eagles re-signed Anthony Harris, and right now he's their only starter at safety. Uh, Baltimore's Deshaun Elliott, Pittsburgh's Terrell Edmonds could be, who could be reasonable safety acquisitions. Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badgers out there, uh, he seemed to lose a step during the course of last season, but... Um, NFL.com sees Dallas as the best fit for the Honey Badger, so probably not coming to Philadelphia, but still some work to do at safety. Maybe they bring Rodney McLeod back at safety and plug him in there. Again, this team's going to look very similar in 2022 to the team that we saw in 2021, which which is... not great news. I mean, this the 2021 team overachieved and took advantage of a weak schedule. They're not gonna be able to get away with that again this year. They have to get more talent. And they gotta get some more talent at cornerback as well. This is not as big a need as linebacker and safety on the defensive side of the ball, but you know, they've got Darius Slay and they've got Avante Maddox, and I think they are intrigued by Zach McPherson, who is a second year player for them and a couple other guys, but I think that's probably somebody you invest maybe another second-round pick in, or if there's a if there's a guy that you know falls off the tree of some low-hanging fruit as the off-season wears on, it could be an, a guy you nab there. But they gotta prioritize linebacker, safety, and probably uh, defensive tackle in the draft on defense in the first uh, couple of rounds. I, I feel more comfortable about them fixing linebacker and wide receiver in the draft at this point. Uh, I, unless again, they go get Devonte Parker. Um, but I think they should be open to all four positions still, whether it's by free agency or by trade. They could also bring back Steve Nelson. Uh, as an option, too. So a couple of guys who were on the team last year still hanging around out there, which tells you a little bit of something about the interest level other teams have in the Eagles free agents who are available. There's not a lot of interest out there among other teams in, in some of the guys the Eagles Um, we're willing to expose to unrestricted free agency. All right, let's step away. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll take a look around the NFL at some big moves that went down, how they might affect the pecking order in the AFC. And we'll take a look at where things stand in the NFC with this exodus of players heading out of the conference. We'll do that coming up next here on eye on the
2: enemy. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. So the big news around the NFL this week was, of course, the trade of Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. This came out of nowhere, and he was never coming to Philadelphia, guys. And here, here you've got another guy who is off the field, not a guy you want to have in your locker room. Really, that's what it comes down to for me. For all the production that Tyreek Hill gives you, you don't want this guy. You just The PR nightmare that was Deshaun Watson would also be there with Tyreek Hill. And I know that once you slip the uniform on, once he put on the green and white and gray or whatever, the black, we would probably forget about it the first time he... Recorded an 80 yard touchdown catch. But he's not, was never coming to Philadelphia. He instead goes to the Miami Dolphins. And when you're thinking about these top wide receivers and, you know, they want to go play for big quarterbacks. Well, in this case, he was traded to, a, he wanted to go play in Miami. Apparently there was a, uh, the Jets were hard after him and apparently the Jets thought they had a deal with the with the Chiefs for Tyreek Hill. But at the last minute, the Dolphins swooped in and Tyreek Hill would rather play in Miami uh, than go play with the New York Jets. And that's what ended up happening. But with Tua Tagovailoa, it just, you know, that's he's very much kind of like a Jalen Hurts. I think, I think Tua is more accurate. I mean, I know Tua is more accurate than than Jalen Hurts. I I think as a pure passer, Tua is better than Jalen Hurts at this stage of their careers. But he is by no means an elite quarterback. And now Tyreek Hill traded to a team without an elite quarterback. It just goes to show the Eagles probably could have swung a trade for an elite wide receiver even without an elite quarterback. That's what the Dolphins were able to pull off. But uh, again, you don't know exactly how much... um, influence or how much sway Tyreek Hill, how much uh, power he was able to um, to use in order to decide where he wanted to go. At the end of the day, Kansas City gets a first round pick, a second round pick, and a fourth round pick in this year's draft. Five picks total uh, to trade Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. And then he signed an extension with Miami to make him the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. Four years, $120 million with $72.2 million guaranteed and now we'll really get to see how good Tua is he actually has a number one wide receiver he had some good receivers in Miami uh he had Jalen Waddle who had a really good rookie season last year Cedric Wilson the Dolphins just uh signed him to a, a free agent deal so uh, those are those are some good options that Miami has right now and I've always kind of rooted for Miami to to get back into the swing of things, I, I actually really like it when the Dolphins are good. Reminds me of the Dan Marino glory days of the 1980s, and I'm really hoping they can become a solid AFC team once again. I think the Chiefs' window has been made a lot more difficult now with Tyreek Hill leaving and the Las Vegas Raiders uh, going out and, and getting Devontae Adams, and then you know the the trade and signed by the Raiders really forced the Chiefs' hand. They knew that they were not going to be able to. Do better than what Adams did with the Raiders and decided, well, let's just let's trade him now and get a haul for him right now. But you can't argue that it makes the makes the Chiefs a better team. It makes them a a much worse team. And the Chiefs will undoubtedly um, in the draft focus on getting yet another wide receiver. But what does this mean for the Chiefs Super Bowl window? in an AFC that is getting leaps and bounds better every single day. How will this affect Patrick Mahomes? He still has Travis Kelsey. I know they really like Nicole Hardman. Uh, they have Josh Gordon, and they just signed Juju Smith-Schuster, and they'll be the primary focus for Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes is awesome. He'll he'll be able to, you know, to do some damage with those guys, but they're clearly not as dangerous as they were with Tyreek Hill. And... That's the big question mark right now is how good can the Chiefs be? I don't think this makes the Dolphins a true Super Bowl contender in the AFC. It does get them a little bit closer to the Patriots and the Bills, the Dolphins who are... You know, have obviously been in the limelight this offseason for all the wrong reasons with the blind Brian Flores firing and uh, some of the 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 lawsuit that Flores uh, brought against the NFL where he claimed the Dolphins were basically paying him to lose football games a couple of seasons ago. Not a good look for Miami this offseason. So they're obviously trying to get the fans back on their side and win some football games this year. They came, you know, remember, they started off awful last year. What was it? They started off one and eight and then won seven in a row to to pull to 7 and 8. Hard to know exactly what to make of the Dolphins here at this offseason because they were bad for so much of the year and then got good for a good portion of the year, but now with a, a with a new coach next year and a new wide receiver, Tua has no more excuses. I mean, he he should he should make the AFC East a little bit more competitive. But just just think about the AFC right now. You had Russell Wilson traded to the Broncos back at the beginning of the month. The Broncos are going to be a force in the AFC West. Amari Cooper and Deshaun Watson have joined the Browns in trades. You had Adams traded and then signing a long-term extension with the Raiders. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster now with the Chiefs. The Dolphins get Teron Armstead and Tyreek Hill. The Colts move on from Carson Wentz and trade for Matt Ryan. We didn't even talk about that. Matt Ryan now takes over with the Indianapolis Colts. That's an upgrade for the Colts. They, they've got to feel much better about that deal, about swapping out Carson Wentz for Matt Ryan. I mean, you know, they got, the Colts really, they made a horrible trade with the Eagles last year. They have figured out a way to at least not allow themselves to be buried by it. Getting a, a third round pick uh, from, or a couple of picks from uh, from the Washington Commanders, but a, a third rounder and then another third rounder that could become a second rounder next year. Um, and then they, they trade for Matt Ryan and, and they rework his deal to kind of move around and potentially bring in some more players so uh, they converted 12 million of Ryan's 2022 compensation into a signing bonus which created 6 million of cap space so that reduces his number to just over 18 million for the season and Matt Ryan was not a bad quarterback last year. He's, he's been running out of talent, but he still completed 67% of his passes for nearly 4,000 yards last year, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. It was the first time he didn't throw for at least 4,000 yards since 2010. So a very interesting uh, addition there uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. And, NFL.com released their latest power rankings after all of these moves went down. They still have the Buffalo Bills as their number one team in the NFL and obviously the top team in the AFC. But looking at some of the other AFC teams, the Bengals now at number three. Um, they have done so much to improve the offensive line. Uh, Alex Kappa, Ted, Car- Ted Karras, and then uh, signing Cowboys right tackle Lyle Collins. Um, to a, uh, a free agent deal after the Cowboys released Collins. That's a totally new right side of the offensive line for Cincinnati, um, ranked as the number two team in the AFC at the moment. Then you've got uh, the Chargers as the third team, the Denver Broncos as the number four team with Russell Wilson there now, uh, Titans as the number five team in the AFC, the Raiders as the number six team. you got Patriots at seven, the Browns at eight, the Ravens at nine, the Colts at number 10. Even after getting Matt Ryan... The Colts still just seen as the 10th best team in the AFC with the Dolphins at 11. You added all these guys, and they're still just the 10th and 11th best teams in the AFC, according to the NFL.com power rankings that came out just a couple of days ago. So just a, it's a loaded conference, and in the NFC, you really don't have that same kind of... Dominance. I mean, you've got the Rams with Matthew Stafford. They will probably be the de facto favorites coming into the season. But the Tampa Bay Bucks with Tom Brady are going to be a problem for people. You've got the Green Bay Packers. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Aaron Rodgers is able to handle life in Green Bay without his number one guy, Devontae Adams. That could be a big loss for Green Bay. And it's why that they have um, it's it's why they have the Rams as the number 1 team in the NFC followed by the Buccaneers, then followed by the San Francisco 49ers. They have got the 49ers ahead of the Packers even with Jimmy G still there and the third overall pick in the draft last year Trey Lance looking like he's going to be the starter, but with an unstable quarterback situation, uh, you still have the, the 49ers as the third best team in the NFC, according to NFL.com. And then you have the Packers as the number four team in the NFC. Um, They have the Dallas Cowboys as the fifth best team, but they've been falling down their overall rankings because of all of the, the, the loss of attrition for, for Dallas thus far and their inactivity in free agency and on the trade market. Uh, That's followed by the Arizona Cardinals and the Philadelphia Eagles. So the NFC and, and the Eagles, I think, you know what they have is the sixth or seventh best team in the NF in the NFC. They're ranked 19 in the NFL right now down from 16. So, the Eagles, despite being really a playoff team in the NFC, according to the NFL.com power rankings, just the 19th best team in the NFL. Just goes to show you how dominant uh, the AFC is right now, especially once you get past the top five or six teams. The, I think the five or, top five or six teams, four of them are probably NFC teams. And then after that, it's all AFC. And and they could all go to the Super Bowl. It's It's really just kind of an amazing shift that we've seen. I do want to talk about some new USFL rules that I think the NFL should adopt. These are really interesting, and these got some play this week online. Check these out. Scoring teams will now have a third option to attempt an extra point. You know, in the NFL, we have the extra point or we have the two-point conversion. Well, there will now be a three-point conversion where a team will get to have one play from scrimmage from the 10-yard line that will equal three points. Pretty cool. I like that idea a lot. Um, a second option to retain possession after scoring instead of an onside kick will be converting a fourth and 12 from a team's 33-yard line. That is a rule that the Eagles have been introducing over the last couple of years that I would love to see. Instead of an onsides kick, give a team... A 4th and 12 possession from their own 33, and and if they can convert it, then they get to keep marching down the field. They do have some overtime rules, which I'm not sure that I'm wild about. In overtime, each team's offense will alternate plays against the opposing defense from the two-yard line. Each successful scoring attempt will receive two points. The team with the most points after three plays wins. So you have one offense against one defense. They get a play from the two-yard line. If they score, they get two points. Then you swap it out. Then it's kind of like a shootout in hockey is how they're they're looking at this. Um, Subsequent attempts become sudden death if the score is tied after each team runs three plays. And then the overtime period will keep going until a winner is declared. So again, very much like hockey shootouts, only in two-point conversion form. Two forward passes will be allowed as long as both of those forward passes are behind the line of scrimmage. Um, Each coach will be only allowed one replay challenge. USFL replay command at Fox Sports Control Center in Los Angeles will make all replay decisions. I like that. And then the clock will stop for first downs inside two minutes in both the second and fourth quarters. I kind of like the clock continuing to run inside 2 minutes in the NFL. In college the clock stops. I prefer I think it I think it makes coaches and quarterbacks work a little bit harder and have have to be on the same page. So I'm not a big fan of that particular rule. It's too collegey. I like the I like the more rapid pace of of the NFL. Dallas Cowboys make some news this week. Mike McCarthy, God bless him, getting some more help. And that's you know you really need more help if you're if you're the Dallas Cowboys you know head coaching is hard it's it's a hard business. Albert Breer of Monday Morning Quarterback says, according to his sources, the Cowboys are hiring Brian Schottenheimer, the Jaguars' passing game coordinator last year, into a new unique role where he'll help both coordinators Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore. So. Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator. Dan Quinn is the defensive coordinator. Their jobs are much too difficult. It's, it's very, 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 very hard to do those jobs. And so you need a third guy who can help both guys out. He's like, he's like a, a, a really well-paid intern to help these guys um, center. He, apparently he's gonna his job will center on league trends and game planning. What does Mike McCarthy do? I'm just curious. What, what, what's what what's he gonna be doing if Brian Schottenheimer is handling this? Is he in charge of the catering? Uh, is, is he gonna set out the cones before practices? I'm I'm just wondering exactly. You know. <laughs> Exactly what each team, is, what these guys are going to be doing. All right, let's finish off this episode of the podcast. I did want to take a look. We're, as things stack up in the NFC right now, we just kind of went over NFL.com's power rankings. But um, again, I'm not a sports gambling guy. I don't bet on sports. I, I only look at odds in sports as a way of, it's kind of a, it's kind of a really good way of seeing how outsiders look at the pecking order. Of things, You know, so I wanted to take a look and see DK Sportsbook has their odds to make the playoffs in the NFC. I wanted to see where the where they see the Eagles stacking up. So right now they have Tampa Bay as the favorite to make the playoffs followed by Green Bay. Um, The Rams are number three, the 49ers number four, Dallas Cowboys number five, and the Arizona Cardinals at number six. Those are the six teams they see as being playoff teams next year. On the outside, they have the Minnesota Vikings at 7, followed by your Philadelphia Eagles at number 8, ahead of New Orleans, then Washington, the New York Giants, Chicago Bears, Seattle Seahawks, Detroit Lions, Atlanta Falcons, and then the, Car- the Carolina Panthers dead last. Kind of interesting, I think... Um, I disagree with Green Bay being at number two, especially with Devontae Adams out. I think they've got a lot of work to do to figure out how the offense is going to work in Green Bay without Devontae Adams. I'm still not sure what San Francisco is going to be next year with their quarterback situation. What if Trey Lance isn't ready? What if, what if he's not prepared to go? Uh, And the Dallas Cowboys, man, they're still, they're still high up in a lot of rankings. They're still high up in a lot of odds. They've lost a ton of players. They've lost a lot of players. Now they have a lot of good young talent on defense that they worked really hard last off season to do that. But Dak Prescott's receiving targets. He's got an injured, um, Michael Gallup coming back, a guy who's coming, coming back from injury. Um, and then you've lost Cedric Wilson and you've lost Amari Cooper. So I, I, you know they they gave their friend, their their tight end the franchise tag and he's very productive and who knows what they're going to do with the running back situation. Tony Pollard should be the main guy, but do they still feed Ezekiel Elliott? You know I, it's it just I, I'm not sure why the Dallas Cowboys are so. I know Cowboys fans are down on this team. You know they I, I don't think Dallas fans feel really good about where their team stands right now, just based on how inactive they've been in free agency and in the trade market and in everything that they've lost. I mean, l- look at who they've lost. They lost Amari Cooper. They lost Randy Gregory, who signed with the Broncos. Uh, Connor Williams and Cedric Wilson signed with the Dolphins. Lel Collins was released along with Greg Zerline and Blake Jarwin. So you bring back Michael Gallup. You bring back Leighton Van Der Esch. Um, you get Jaron Kurse, Brian Anger, Dorrance Armstrong. Um, you franchise tagged uh, Dalton Schultz. Um, and then, you know, you went out and you signed James Washington, a wide receiver who has not been terribly productive these last few years. It's, it's, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out exactly how the Cowboys are better than last year. They might still be better than the Eagles because the Eagles have not done a whole lot to improve themselves and make themselves into a different team in 2022. As like we said, this team is going to look very similar in 2022, to what it looked like in 2021 with a tougher schedule. You have to hope that Jalen Hurts is going to make improvements and we'll get in it. We'll get a real good window into what the Eagles think of Jalen Hurts with the draft and whether or not they decide to move up for a quarterback or if they trade for another first round pick in next year's draft by giving away one of their first round picks this year. That's an indication that they are still not sure about Jalen Hurts and they shouldn't be sure about Jalen Hurts. Nobody should be sure about Jalen Hurts, but as as things stand right now, this Eagles team this year is going to look a whole lot like the team last year, and that's why they are where they are in the power rankings and in the uh, in the in the eyes of the odds makers in in Las Vegas. So. Definitely a busy week around the NFL. Not a very busy week in terms of the Philadelphia Eagles, but as we get ready for the draft and we hear more whispers about potential trade scenarios for guys like Devontae Parker and maybe some linebackers or other safety help that's out there, uh, we will have an eye on all of that stuff for you here on this particular podcast. So, folks, thank you once again for tuning in to Eye on the Enemy. I want to remind you to continue to check out BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day for the very latest in Philadelphia Eagles news rumors, and notes, and check out all of our podcasts here at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you next week right here on Eye on the Enemy. P-G-N.